0: Hello out there, science nerds, you're listening to Evolving with Mr. V, a weekly podcast that covers the week that was in AP Biology and much more. I am your host, Mr. Oscar Velazquez, your Master of Biological Arts. This is officially Episode 3, Week 3 of the 2019-2020 school year. In this week's podcast, we will review the week of September 3rd to September 6th in AP Biology and look forward to the coming week as well. Remember, Monday is exam day, the multiple choice part of the exam covering lab safety, experimental design, CER, basic chemistry, and water. And since Monday is exam day, we will substitute our biology in the news segment with a mini quick review of some content material that will be well represented in the exam. In our final segment, we will go deep into Mr. V's inner thoughts. What thoughts you say? Well, I will give you my top five annoying behaviors I observe at school that pretty much drive me insane. So let's jump into our hot tub time machine and go back all the way back to not Monday, that was holiday, but to Tuesday. On Tuesday, our main objective was the quiz over chapter three, Water is Beast. We did a quick review of the properties of water and the pH scale and then launched into our quiz. Students had 12 minutes to complete the water quiz. After the quiz, we started our lab investigation over the beast properties of water. Now, because of time, we were only able to complete the control portion of our water investigation. Now, in this lab, our main question we are investigating is how will different additives or substances added to distilled water affect water's surface tension, aka affect its hydrogen bonding. Students started the experiment by using a pipette to add drops of pure distilled water to the surface of a penny, observing water's high surface tension. Students performed five trials and then calculated the mean of all their trials. Most groups averaged about 40 to about 45 drops on their penny, which is what was expected. And then this pretty much brought us to an end of our Tuesday. Moving on to Wednesday, we started class by filling out some course paperwork, dual credit advanced placement forms. If you were absent, make sure to pick up the form from me, fill it out, and return by Monday 4:15 September 9th. After the paperwork, we then continued to collect data for our water investigation lab, where an additive was added to our distilled water. We first added sugar to our distilled water. Students repeated the experiment following the same protocol from Tuesday, but now we were adding drops of 0.6 molar sugar solution onto the surface of their penny using a pipette. Students conducted five trials and then calculated the mean of all their trials. Next, students added soap, dishwashing soap, to distilled water students added drops of a 15% solution of soap into the surface of their penny using a pipette. Then students calculated the mean of all their trials. Our final solution to observe surface tension was not really water at all, but ethanol. A 95% ethanol solution was added by pipette onto the surface of a penny to observe its surface tension compared to distilled water. Students once again conducted five trials, and then took the mean of all the five trials. We ended our Wednesday with a brief discussion of SEM, standard error of the mean, and SD, standard deviation, but didn't get too far into that discussion due to time, which brings us to an end of Wednesday. On Thursday, we continued working on the properties of water investigation. Students created a graph of their means of the four different solutions, distilled water, the control, water with sugar, water with soap, and ethanol. Students agreed that a bar graph would best represent the means, drops added, of the four solutions. They constructed a complete graph with title, labeled axis, units, and scale to use the maximum amount of graph space. We then had a discussion about statistical analysis of our data. We discussed standard deviation, or SD. Standard deviation is a stats test that measures variation in data values. In other words, it tells us how spread out our data is from the mean. Now, when using standard deviation and another test called standard error of the mean, we have a rule we implement called the 68-95-99 rule. When standard deviation is calculated, it is one standard deviation. At one standard deviation from the mean, In either direction of the horizontal axis will represent 68% of our data or we could say that 68% of our trials would lie plus or minus one standard deviation away from the mean at two standard deviations from the mean it will now represent 95% of our data or we could say that 95% of our trials would lie plus or minus two standard deviations away from the mean At three standard deviations from the mean, it will now include 99% of our data. Now, when it comes to standard error of the mean, this is a test that measures the accuracy of the sample mean. It allows us to infer how well the sample mean matches up to the true population mean. It pretty much helps us determine how confident we are going to be in the data collected in our trials. For standard error of the mean, we also use the 68-95-99 rule. But here, we relate it more to how confident we are that the sample mean and true mean will match up. In science, we always want to be at least 95% or more confident in our data. So we want at least two SEM or more. When it comes to the SEM test, the standard error of the mean, we represent this level of confidence in the form of error bars that we add to our bar graphs where we add and subtract the SEM from the mean and make kind of like sideways tie fighters or what some people say look like cat whiskers meow meow now we need to remember that we want 95 percent confidence so we need to add and subtract two SEM from the mean To obtain standard deviation and standard error of the mean, we used the website, a SEM calculator, where we entered our data from our trials and it did the calculations for us. We will learn the math behind the calculations, but later in the semester. At this point, I want students to understand what the stat numbers mean and what they can tell us about our results. After our discussion and collection of SD and SEM numbers, students added the error bars to their graphs. With error bars drawn in, students were now able to analyze the results and see, with 95% confidence, if any of their solutions tested had a surface tension significantly different from that of distilled water. To do this, students observed to see if distilled water's error bar overlapped with any of the other solutions. If there was overlap, Then there is no significant difference between their surface tension. However, if there is no overlap of distilled water's error bar with any of the other solutions, then we could say with 95% confidence that the surface tension is significantly different. In most cases or lab groups, soapy water and ethanol were the two solutions that were significantly different. In other words, there was no overlap of their error bars. Hence, their surface tension was less than that of water. With the time left in class, students completed part one of the water investigation by answering CER questions of the data collected, and this brought us pretty much to our end of our Thursday. Finally, Friday arrives. On Friday, our main objective was our FRQ, our free response question, our writing portion of our first exam. Students were given about 15 minutes to answer two questions, a long free response and a short answer question. Hopefully you prepared well, checked out the hints on Enmodo, and knocked this out of the park. If you were absent, make sure to make arrangements to make up the FRQ on Monday morning or Monday after school. You could even extend it to Tuesday morning. After the FRQ, we then started our animal behavior investigation, where we worked on Part A of the lab in which we observed pill bugs, roly-polies, in a closed environment without a stimulus. The behaviors observed were hopefully kinesis behaviors, which are random behaviors movements without any sort of direction. Students drew two sketches of a pill bug, a profile view, and bird's eye view, top view, and then labeled the different parts of the pill bug using a Google search of pill bug anatomy. If the class had time, students recorded observations of pill bug behavior after five minutes of de-stress time for the pill bugs. And this pretty much brought an end to our week. Next week, we will continue with the animal behavior investigation and also the water properties investigation as well, as we need to play two more games involving the beast properties of water. So don't lose them handouts. This next segment will take the place of biology in the news. It's called Mr. V helps you pass the exam. So here's the review rundown for the exam. First up, lab safety. Pretty much common sense. Just make sure you know about the MSDS or SDS sheets, material safety data sheets or safety data sheets, why we use them and what important information they contain. Second, experimental design. Know the steps of the scientific method and what makes a sound experiment. Be able to read, analyze an experiment and identify the independent variable, the variable that is changed or being tested, the dependent variable, the variable that we measure, constant variables, those variables that stay the same throughout the entire experiment, be able also to identify the control group, hypothesis, and the question being investigated in an experiment. Now remember that the data we prefer in science is quantitative data, accurate number data, precise measurements, and rarely do we use qualitative data, which is using more descriptive language to describe results. Something you should go back and revisit are those experiments we analyze and try to find the major flaw in them. Remember, these flaws centered around you know always making multiple measurements, always using quantitative data when possible, always have a control in your experiment, and always be lab safety conscious when you're performing experiments. A third concept on the exam will be CER, Claim, Evidence, and Reasoning. We had several examples and practice over CER with the recent FRQ actually being a CER over a recent investigation. Since the exam is multiple choice on Monday, you might be given an experiment or study where you would have to kind of pick out the parts or identify the parts of CER. Next, Basic Chemistry. In last week's podcast, basic chemistry was well covered, so I will leave you to check out that podcast. I will just do a quick recap or review the types of bonds that occur. The first type of bond, covalent. Covalent bonds where electrons are shared, valence electrons of atoms being shared to complete their outermost shell, the valence shell. Now remember that there are two different types of covalent bond. Nonpolar, where electrons are shared equally, both atoms have the same electronegativity, these will tend to be hydrophobic. Then we have polar covalent bonds, where electrons are not shared equally due to the differences of their electronegativity. This results in the molecule having opposite charges on opposite sides. Always remember our example that we covered water, where the oxygen pulls the shared electrons closer to its own nucleus giving it a slight negative charge and the hydrogens end up having a slight positive charge due to the electrons they're sharing not really even spending too much time around their nucleus. So that was covalent. A second type of bond is ionic. No sharing of electrons here. Once again, no sharing of electrons. Here we have a transfer of electrons that occurs. And once the transfer is done, it results in both atoms now being ions. Atoms with charges. And these atoms will have opposite charges then and they'll attract each other forming an ionic bond. Another type of bond, the hydrogen bond which we covered well when we discussed water and how water can hydrogen bond with at least four other water molecules. Once again, this is going to be where a hydrogen atom that is already covalently bonded to an electronegative atom is attracted to another electronegative atom because of the opposite charges they're going to have. However, remember that these are going to be weak bonds compared to covalent and ionic. Now, the last bond that we have to discuss is Van der Waals interactions, the weakest of all bonds, and only occurs when atoms are very close to each other and then also only lasts about milliseconds. But when these are in high number, they could end up being a pretty strong force, a pretty strong bond. Hopefully, in Chapter 2, you read about how geckos use Van der Waals interactions to climb up walls. The final concept to review for the exam is water. Water is Beast Chapter 3. Now, I think you guys really picked up on this concept well. Quiz grades were great, and it's a concept that students could understand pretty easily. Now, just make sure you go back and review the five properties again. Cohesion, which includes adhesion and surface tension. Water's high specific heat. Water's high heat of vaporization. How water expands when it freezes and water being a very good versatile solvent. Make sure to go back and focus on why they occur and also how they help life not just survive but thrive on this planet. Now, I do want to expand a little on the pH scale. Remember this fact and it could lead to a lot of clarity when it comes to the pH of a solution or how a buffer will act. And that is the more hydrogen ions, H pluses, the more acidic a solution or fluid will get. Or, the less hydrogen ions in a solution, or if taken out of a solution, the more basic the solution or fluid will become. But, there is one more way a solution can become more basic, and that is if the concentration of hydroxide ions in a solution is greater than that of hydrogen ions. So, hopefully, if you remember this way of hydrogen ions and hydroxide ions working, it should help you answer almost any pH question now here's a little easter egg for the exam in chapter three it discusses what happens to hydrogen ion concentration when you move up and down the ph scale every time it decreases by one unit In the pH scale, let's say from 7 to 6, there is a tenfold increase in hydrogen ion concentration or H pluses. So if we go from 7 to 5, then that would actually be a hundredfold increase in hydrogen ion concentrations. If you went from 7 to 4, it would be a thousand increase, a thousand time increase in the concentration of hydrogen ions. Now, if you were to go up the pH scale from let's say seven to eight it would be a tenfold decrease in hydrogen ion concentrations. So make sure to review this from your textbook for you might see a question or two about it on the exam. Well that ends this segment Mr. V helps you pass your exam. And now for our final segment Going into the deep inner thoughts of your professor, Mr. V, in this week's segment, I will list my top five annoying behaviors I observe at school that drive me insane. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Now, coming in at number five are students who use the word literally incorrectly. For example, when I hear students say something like, oh, Mr. V, this exam is literally going to kill me. And I'm like, wait, What? Do you have some sort of heart condition I don't know about? Is my exam laced with some sort of toxin? I don't know what you're talking about. This exam is not going to literally kill you. Coming in at number four, students who walk really slowly in the halls during passing period or suddenly stop in the middle of the hall to talk to their friends. Really? Really? Come on, man. I got places to go and lessons to crush. Get out of the way and speed it up, you bunch of sloths. At number three, students who are constantly taking selfies of themselves. I'm wondering why? Do you look that good? You just need to see yourself numerous times in pictures during the period? And who exactly are you sending these pictures to? Does that person need to see a photo of you every 10 minutes? I just think that's a little weird. Coming in at number two, students that wear socks with sandals why the whole purpose of sandals is to be barefoot and not wear shoes or socks socks with sandals is not a good luck the worst is crocs with socks crocs are ugly enough you don't need to compound the ugly with socks and coming in at number one my most annoying behavior that i observe are students who when they're absent come in the next day and ask hey mr v did we do anything yesterday and i'm like, "Really?" nah, we just actually sat around and came up with different hypotheses about what had happened to you and where you were at. Here's an easy note. We always do something in biology every day. Well, that ends this old man rant of my five top annoying behaviors I observe at school. Hey, you know what doesn't annoy me? This podcast. But unfortunately, or fortunately for some, it has come to an end. I hope you found this episode informative and enjoyable. Remember to like the podcast and maybe even leave a comment in your podcast listening platform, if it allows it. I would love to hear any feedback that you have on the show. This podcast was written, directed, and produced by Velazquez Productions. The awesome music intro and closing is provided by Free Free Music Archive. This is your host, Mr. Velazquez, your master of biological arts, signing off and reminding you to please, please, for your professor's sake, study for the exam. Water is beast. The next-